Sona. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. My name is Tracy Grobler, and I'm the Director of Development at Siena College and um, the Vic Chapter Committee representative. We'd like to start this morning with a welcome to country. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we gather. We pay our respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. We ask the ancestors of this land to be with us in spirit as we seek to learn and understand to grow in knowledge and compassion. It is my great pleasure this morning to introduce Catherine Middlemist as our guest speaker. Catherine is the Director of Development, Marketing and Communications at Sacred Heart College in Geelong. A public relations, marketing and communications specialist with over 16 years experience in community engagement, brand management, strategic planning and industry partnerships. Catherine is a graduate member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. She has a Master's of Business Administration from Deakin University and has undertaken further studies with Harvard University Business School. She is the Director of Geelong Chamber of Commerce and a mentor with Business in Heels. Catherine is an exceptional fundraiser. This morning, we look forward to listening to Catherine as she shares her wealth, experience and knowledge in setting up a capital campaign from start to finish. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you. Thanks, Sona. Thanks, Tracy. Um, good morning and welcome, everybody. Um, I say a very big thank you to Educate Plus for the opportunity to share my experiences with you today. I, too, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which I'm gathering this morning, the Wadawurrung people, and I pay our respects to their um, elders past, present and emerging. And I also welcome all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are present with us today. When I was preparing today's presentation, I was very conscious that we would have a varying degree of experience in the space of capital campaigns. Um, some of you may be new to this space, um, so I hope that um, what, what I share today will help you as you embark on your first capital campaign. And for those who have done many campaigns before, um, I hope that you enjoy some of the, the stories that I share along the way. Today's presentation, um, we'll look at the five steps of a capital campaign. Um, there's a, a template that can be applied, um, and if you use these as a guide, um, you'll have greater success of your campaign reaching your goal target. Um, and donor stewardship, um, always very, very important. Um, donor stewardship has three stages. Um, there's a stage when you start to engage with your donor, there's a journey that you take them along through that stage and, of course, the stewardship after the donation. So we'll look at that as well. Um, as I mentioned, um, some of you will have a great deal of experience in this space. Please um, ask questions along the way if you're new or if you have experience, share your, share your journey. Um, Educate Plus give us one of opportunity to um, learn from each other. So as we go along, please don't hesitate to put your comments in the chat, um, ask questions or um, you know, give us some feedback on your experiences in this space. A little bit about Sacred Heart College here in Leafy Newtown before we start. Um, we're a Catholic school for girls. Um, we have 1,502 enrolments and we um, educate girls from years 7 to 12. We have over 200 staff um, and a strong alumni of 9,000. Um, our alumni association started in 1930. So um, we've got an active alumni group and uh, many of those are financial supporters of the school. So we're very fortunate. 
Um, last year, in 2020, we celebrated our 160th year of the Sisters of Mercy Educating Girls here on this site. Um, and in typical school style, we had a million and one events planned to celebrate that milestone, but COVID put a stop on that. So um, we came up with some other ways to celebrate the milestone. Um, today, we're going to look at the capital campaign that commenced here in 2016 at Sacred Heart College. Um, it's been a wonderful journey and um, incredible donors were engaged along the way. Um, just on that note, a um, well-renowned Canadian fundraiser, Jeff Brooks, once commented, if you need to raise funds from donors, you need to study them, respect them, and build everything that you do around them. The reason this resonated with me, about 10 years ago, um, I was at a school and we had a father and his daughter was in year 12. They'd had four girls. They'd all gone through the school. Um, it had been a 12-year journey for them. And when his final daughter was in year 12, I invited him in to have lunch with the principal and um, we asked for a donation of 100000 And he said yes. And after a little while, as I got to know him, I got the confidence to ask him, why now? Why did you donate $100,000 when in 12 years you hadn't given any other funds to the school? I half expected him to say it was because his last daughter was in year 12. The family wanted to give back to the school before they finished, but he didn't. He said, the reason I gave was because the principal asked. And it made me realise at the time that every donor wants to be approached in a different way. And as many of you would know, some are happy just to have that quiet conversation with you, but others actually want to be in front of the right person. And that right person is who they think the right person is. So it made me realise from that point on that it's very important to get to know your donors, um, study them, understand what they want, um, because it will make a big difference as to whether they contribute to your campaign. So um, as you embark on your campaign, um, I do suggest that um, focus front of mind always is your donors um, and they are all different uh, and they want to be asked in a different way. So what is a capital campaign? The short version, a capital campaign is a targeted fundraising effort that takes place over a defined period of time. But a more, at a more complex level, a capital campaign is a concerted effort to raise a substantial amount of money for a specific project or undertaking. Campaigns always have deadlines. They can be as soon as a year or as far away as five years. Capital campaigns usually grow out of strategic planning and organisational review. It's when your organisation or your school sits back to, have assess its, to assess its strengths and its weaknesses, um, to look at its resources and determine where it wants to be in the next five or 10 years' time. And importantly, to look at the mission and the vision of the school. On the screen, I've put a copy of our strategic plan that was developed in 2016, and it was a five-year strategic plan. It started with our vision and our mission we then went across and looked at the four cornerstones. And from there, we developed the priorities for the next five years. And that really determined um, everything that we did. 
So if I consider um, the development office team when we sit down each year and set our team goal or our individual goals, each of them were asked to think of a goal, one, two, three, maybe five that they wanted for the next year. And those goals had to align with our strategic plan. If the goal didn't align with strategic plan, it didn't make sense. So when all of the school looked at what their goals were, aligned it with the strategic plan, we knew we had a better chance of achieving our goals over the next five years. Around the same time as we were doing our strategic plan, we also undertook a lengthy process with McGlashan Everest Architects to develop a, um, a master plan, a 10-year master plan for the school. We used a precinct model, um, given that the school is 160 years old, we have a lot of old buildings, a lot of buildings that don't make sense anymore. The layout of the school wasn't necessarily what we were going to need for the next 10 years. So with the precinct model, we broke the school into nine precincts. And it was determined at that stage that the precinct that we would develop first would be the STEAM development, the science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics building. Um, and on this master plan here, you can see that's at stage one. The funding necessary for the STEAM building was going to be $23 million. Um, and we determined that that would be funded through three resources. One would be the school's cash reserves. The second would be through debt funding. And the third would be through a capital campaign. And although they vary in size, scope and timing, the fundamentals of capital campaign fundraising remain consistent. If you build a campaign applying the basic principles of good donor stewardship, and as I mentioned earlier on, there's a cycle of engagement when it comes to donor engagement and your cultivation takes three stages. There's the stage where you commence engaging with your donor. There's the stage where you actually engage with them as far as their donation and then contributing to your campaign. And then at the end, once you've um, reached your campaign goal, continuing that stewardship. So very important that you apply the basic principles of fundraising and good stewardship. Um, and then follow the five steps, which I'll um, go through in a moment. Um, and if you do follow those five steps, the chances of your success are much greater. Um, and before we take a deep dive, some quick facts about capital campaigns. Um, the fundraising goals for a capital campaign are always greater than annual giving, much greater than your annual giving goals. Capital campaigns have a beginning, a middle and an end. 75 to 80% of the funds that you raise in your capital campaign will be done in what we refer to as the quiet phase. And this is the phase where you'll solicit your major donor, donors from, um, sorry, your major donors um, solicitation occurs in the quiet phase. Um, and then after the quiet phase, you move into the public phase where you take your campaign out to your community. So the five steps of a capital campaign. First step is your preparation. The second is the planning phase. The third is the quiet phase that I just mentioned where you're doing the solicitation of your major gifts. And then the public phase when you go public and then last, um, all going well, and if you had a successful campaign, you celebrate. The first stage, the preparation stage, 
Um, as I mentioned earlier with the strategic plan, this is the point when you need to make sure that you, your mission and your vision is clear. It's what drives your campaign. Um, it provides evidence to your um, donors that the vision that you've set can actually become a reality. And define your need. So when we did the master plan and we looked at the steam building being the first stage of the, um, um, the development, we did a great deal of research around what the future of education would be. Um, what do our girls need? And it was really clear from those that we spoke to that they needed to have the skill sets in the disciplines of science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Um, so we were able to go to our donors and make it really clear that's why we were starting the STEAM building as the first of our stages. So make sure that you really know why you're doing the project um, because that's what you'll need to be able to explain to your donors to get them on board. And we consulted with our staff. Um, our campaign and um, our presence in the community was only as strong as their support with what we were doing as well. They also agreed, um, they were part of focus groups and they agreed that the campaign for the development for the STEAM building was the first place that we should start. So it was the collective um, decision to move forward with that. Um, at this point, um, engaging a consultant um, can be a very um, beneficial um, part of your campaign. Um, the old saying that you need to um, spend money to make money is really relevant here. Um, it's well worth the investment as they bring experience and objectivity. They can sit with you, um, help you build your case for support, um, make sure that your mission and vision is clear um, and that you're ready to go out to your community and start the campaign. And lastly, develop your campaign budget. Um, it is a lot of money to run these campaigns. There's um, events that need to be held. Um, your consultants, um, your donor cultivation activities, your stationery, your, your campaign materials. Um, so all of that happens in the, the preparation stage. The second stage, the planning stage, and this is where we really hit our stride. Um, you can see by the 10 dot points on the screen, um, it's where you really are very busy. Um, there was actually, I think, 25 dot points when I first started, so I've tried to amalgamate them into 10, so it's not too overwhelming. But the very first part of the planning stage is to build your case for support. And this document is at the heart of your campaign. It's one of the most important documents in your fundraising arsenal because it provides the donor with your total framework of giving and it forms the foundation of all your campaign communications. By the time we'd done all of our research around the need for the STEAM building, um, I think our, our case for support was about 45 pages. Uh, of course, we condensed that right down and that formed the basis of our campaign materials. But the campaign, your, your case for support is what all, why it all makes sense um, and why the campaign is likely to be successful. Uh, from there, um, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as fundraisers is to assume we assume we know who may have capacity, but in doing so, we often overlook those who do have capacity. Um, I strongly recommend engaging the service of a consultant um, to undertake a confidential wealth check um, on your database. I know some principals can be uncomfortable in this space when you first um, raise the suggestion of doing a wealth check, but the information that they're providing is what is available out there on the web anyway. Uh, we provided 15,000 um, community members to the organisation to do the wealth check. Um, I wouldn't have time to go and 
um, research each of those um, on, um, you know, public documents. Um, they're experienced in this space. Um, it provided a, a really great deal of intel for, um, for myself um, and for the principal. There were um, community members that we um, had no idea may have had capacity and um, we were well worth approaching. Um, so they're very important. I've used them on three occasions and I do highly recommend um, the information um, is very integral to, to going forward. Um, at this point, um, you would undertake your feasibility study um, and these help assess the likelihood of raising the money needed for your project. Um, the, the studies um, are completed by a consultant who's retained to interview the campaign's potential donors. Um, the feasibility studies, they assess your community's potential um, and um, they determine if they're engaged, if they believe in your um, case for support, if they think this is a particular building that should be started first. Um, they provide a great deal of information. I actually didn't engage a um, consultant for our feasibility study. I'd only just started at Sacred Heart College, so I felt that I could have been, I was objective enough to go out and speak to the community. Um, it was a great um, undertaking. I um, learned a lot about our community. Um, it also gave me a chance to continually share um, our case for support um, and find out what the community's feelings were, especially alumni who um, are very entrenched in the school and I was concerned that they wouldn't want that building coming down. Um, so it was great to be able to touch base with them. And then um, when I went out to actually do the asks, I'd already started building a relationship with them. Um, but there are those who've been in schools for a while, perhaps a bit too close to their donors. So they bring along um, an expert in this space to undertake a feasibility study for them to come back with some um, uh, objective um, feedback. Um, the feasibility study also gave me the capacity to determine who our um, potential campaign um, leaders would be. Um, and it also, um, as I mentioned earlier, gave me some insight into what they loved about the school, um, what their feelings would be about pulling that building down. Um, at this stage, we set our um, campaign committee. Um, and for those who work in the space of um, fundraising, you will know the old saying of give, get or get off. Um, this campaign committee are going to be an inordinate amount of support to you over your journey of raising the funds for the campaign. So make sure you have people sitting at that table with you um, who are invested, who are willing to give a donation. Um, and if they can't give a donation, that's okay. Um, can they bring along some um, important um, you know, intel for you for your campaign? Um, I had one um, member on the committee who didn't have the capacity to give, but um, each week she would provide me with a list of names of people she knew in the community that um, would um, be well worth approaching. Um, and so that was um, enormous, enormously supportive for me. Um, the campaign chair was an alumni who's highly regarded in our community. She had been a chair of the alumni in the past. She had also, she also is the um, current chair of our um, alumni investment committee. Um, so she was uh, a wonderful support to me. Um, we ran the campaign together. Um, so uh, just make sure that when you're putting your campaign together, they are ones that can actually support you either through um, giving to the campaign, um, helping you with um, the asks or providing some intel on community who may actually be worth approaching. Uh, at this point in the second stage, the planning stage, is when you set your campaign target. 
Um, so you've um, done your feasibility study, um, you've, you've had your um, wealth check, so you should have a very good indication now as to how much you think the campaign target should be. Um, before we did either the wealth check or the feasibility study, we initially thought 1.5 million was a reasonable amount. Um, after both of those resources um, provided the information, we decided that we would go with the ambitious um, target of $1.8 million. Um, based on that target, we then developed our table of gifts. Um, and this is another primary planning tool for you. Um, regardless of your campaign's size, um, you should raise um, most of the money from only a few donors. And this is where the 80-20 rule applies. Um, typically, 80% of the funds um, that you raise for your campaign will come from 20% of your donors. And I'll just flick down now. This was the, the gift tag, um, table that we set up initially when we determined $1.8 million would be our campaign target. Um, on the left-hand side, you can see the number of prospects that we thought would fit into each of those um, categories. Again, that was based on um, the wealth check and the feasibility study. Um, in the end, we thought that we would get two donors at $500,000, one at $250,000, and two at $125,000. So they were our top, uh, they were our major donors, and that is the 80% of our campaign. And then below that, um, you'll see that we raise the rest through 20%. Um, I've noted at the bottom the quiet and the public phase, and we'll talk about those coming up, um, but the top section in the blue highlights the quiet phase where we went out and raised um, the 80% from a smaller number of donors, which was the five donors. Catherine, sorry to interrupt. We just have a question. Who do you use for wealth checks and what sort of cost is involved? Okay, we used FR and C Consulting. Um, I've used them on three occasions. Um, the costing, it's broken down into two, two levels. Um, the first um, amount, which I think was about $3,500, it's based on the number of um, the number of data that you provide to them. Um, it comes back and they give you an overall indication of how many um, would be in your community that would be in um, the higher wealth category. Um, and then you can just take that and work from there um, because it's just an overview. Or you can pay a little bit more and they'll drill down and they'll give you more information, which is what I did as well. So overall, I think it was about $5,000. Um, for us, um, a wonderful spend because um, it identified donors that we would not have even known to approach. Um, so that more, well, more than paid back um, what we had outlaid in the wealth check. So FRNC Consulting. One other question, Catherine, um, and it's from Sasha. When the campaign was being worked on, how many people were working on this and were they only working on the campaign or other fundraising activities at the same time? So there was just me working on the campaign. Um, I was working very closely with the principal. So um, at the start, um, initially just myself, um, no one else in the development office team. Uh, and then when we, um, we had our capital campaign committee, that's when I had a bit more support. But really it was just me. Um, and no, I was working on a lot of other things um, as any other directors of development here would know today, there are typically a million and one balls in the air, um, but it was just me at this stage, yeah. 
So you've developed your table of gifts um, and it's, it really is quite comforting when you sit down and have that because it all of a sudden becomes to give a bit of a pathway as to where to next. Um, for me, it was an opportunity to sit down and go, okay, now I really know what I need to do and how many people I need to go and see and what are the categories that I need to be raising the funds for. Um, we determined the timeline at this point. For us, we thought that five years would be reasonable and I broke that down into um, a pledge timeline. So, um, you know, if it was a $5,000 pledge, for example, and they had $1,000 um, each year, I thought that was a bit more reasonable rather than a three-year campaign. So uh, this year is the final year of our pledge payments, and I'm really pleased to say that um, no one um, reneged on their pledges, um, even um, the challenges that we had last year. We had 33 donors who... Um, chose to pay their donation over a pledge um, and we've only got a few more to go to finish that off this year. Um, patron and ambassadors, during the planning phase, that's when you would sit down and determine who would be your big ambassadors out there in the community um, and your advocates. We approached three um, strong college supporters who have donated in the past, but not just being supported through donations, just genuine supporters of the college. So we approached them to ask if they'd be our patrons. And then the ambassadors, we have two alumni, um, one, um, to, we, had, we asked two alumni to the ambassadors. One um, is a very successful engineer here in Geelong, and the other is an astronaut who works um, at NASA in the Jet Propulsion Lab. So she certainly was um, a great ambassador for us because um, she studied those subjects when she was at school and appreciates the need for girls to be in those subjects going forward for the future of work. So Gemma and... Um, and now I can't think of her name, our astronaut, sorry, um, were absolutely amazing um, uh, as um, Beth, sorry, Beth Jennings, the astronaut, um, ab absolutely amb amazing ambassadors and flew the flag for us at every opportunity um, to um, encourage um, families to donate because um, we do need to have this building to support the future of education here um, and girls in these disciplines. Uh, all schools have got amazing volunteers. We wouldn't be able to do half of what we do without our volunteers. So we um, invited volunteers to come along and be part of our events um, and help us with our fundraising as far as, um, you know, spreading the word, um, being here at events um, and any small fundraisers that we did along the way. And um, campaign materials. Um, I, I once heard um, from a really um, highly regarded um, fundraiser um, and she said don't ever put a building on the front of your capital campaign material or, or your fundraising material um, and whilst that's true for some my experience in the space hasn't been the same I was at a school once and um, every time I was at an event and I was talking to the community they would always talk about one particular building they loved the building and that was whether it was a uh, a recent school leaver or someone who'd been at the school um, 60 years ago. They always talked about the building. And so one year for the, the annual giving campaign, I, I put the building on the front of the card and I put it in three different colours. The first was in sepia, the second was in black and white and the third was in colour. It was the same building, but my, my aim was to actually attract um, every generation of those who'd been to the school. And that particular annual giving campaign raised four times more than the campaign um, had ever raised before. So um, don't be afraid to use the building um, if that's right for your campaign. Again, know what your donors are, uh, are saying. When I went and did the, um, the, the research with our, um, our community, 
they all agreed that the building that was running along a Fraser Street here was old and was tired. Um, they were fascinated to hear more about what the steam building would look like. So I felt fairly confident that I could use that on the front of our campaign um, material. And on the screen now is the campaign material itself. So I did put the artist's impressions of the building. Um, the right-hand side picture is the, um, the brochure that we used. Um, that was our case for support. It wasn't 40 pages long. It was a lot less than that. But every um, everyone that we um, approached with that um, brochure, uh, we personalised it throughout with either their name or their organisation's name. So they felt very much... Um, in that space and that it was targeted um, directly at them and, and personalised. Um, and then on the left-hand side um, was the annual giving, uh, sorry, the campaign brochure that went out to, to all of our community. Um, we did send a hard copy to all community members um, whilst we also made it available online. Uh, it's important to remember that um, sometimes your older community do want to receive that um, you know, that tangible hard copy. They like filling it out and returning it. Um, we also didn't want to run the risk of missing anyone in the community. So we used both digital and hard copy um, in our campaign material. Okay. And the quiet phase, and this can be the, a little bit of the lonely phase because this is when you are really doing some of the, the really high level work. Um, Using your feasibility study, the quiet phase is the time to review and evaluate your prospect list to identify the lead gifts. So you've got your table determined, you know how many gifts you're going to need in each one of those sections. Um, you can categorise um, who's a potential lead gift prospect um, and then you also go and look at those that would fit perhaps in the middle section um, or the lower um, level of the prospect table. So this is a time when you sit and evaluate um, who would actually fit into each of those levels. Um, you develop your solicitation strategy. Um, you know, as you're grouping your prospects, you start to develop a solicitation strategy for each of your gifts. Um, I prepared a donor profile um, on everyone that we approached. Um, and if the principal was doing the ask, she would have that list and it would have um, the family's history with the school, um, how many students they had there um, currently or students who had been there in the past, um, had they donated before, what had they donated to um, in the past, um, what were their interests. So when we were sitting at that table, the principal had um, all the information that she needed on that donor um, and it made them feel very important that the principal knew all that information um, it, 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 when you're actually sitting with them and you're able to talk about their grandchildren or you're able to talk about their time at the school, um, the conversation is so much easier and, and then it's not about the ask. It's about the, the donor's engagement with the school. Um, consider naming opportunities at this time as well. Um, I don't need to um, let you know how important it is to know your tax laws around what you can and can't offer. Um, you need to make sure that you protect the DGR status at all times. So just be conscious of that space as well. Um, but don't ever underestimate the opportunity to provide a naming opportunity. Um, in Geelong, we have um, a, a philanthropist who is extremely generous and um, his name is on many, many buildings. And I, I asked him once for someone that's so humble, why is it that you're happy to have your name um, on buildings? And he explained to me that it wasn't about the recognition. It was more about 
his family understanding the importance of giving back and um, his children knowing that and their children as well. So it made me realise that for um, donors, the naming opportunity for some it is about the recognition and, and um, profiling their organisation, but for others it's also the power of um, the message that it sends to their family. So um, don't underestimate the power of um, naming opportunities. Um, and this is when you also start beginning, um, start solicit soliciting the um, gifts from your lead donors. Um, with the principal, um, we met with all of our major donors um, and we only got it wrong once. We asked um, an alumni for $200,000. Uh, she said no, but she was happy to give $100,000. Um, so that was the only time we actually got it wrong, um, but that was okay. She wasn't at all upset. Um, if we'd asked for one, she might have only said 50. So it was worth asking for the two to get the $100,000. Um, Soliciting gifts from your school leaders, um, that's really important. I met with every single one of our school advisory council members and also my colleagues on the leadership team and I asked them for a donation to support the campaign. It was really important or it is really important that when you're going out to your community to ask that you can confidently say that 100% of your leadership, whether that's the advisory council uh, or whether it's the school um, leadership team, that everyone has supported it. It gives um, a lot of credence to you asking others in the community if they know that the leaders of the school believe in it um, and believe that it's going to be a successful campaign by supporting it themselves. And the public phase, um, this is where you sit with your capital campaign committee and you start to prepare your proposals. So you've raised your, your, your 80%, um, who are you going to approach for the 20%? Okay, you start your you mail out campaign. Um, like I mentioned with our station earlier on, we went to all of our community. That was alumni, past parents, current parents, anyone that had donated before, all those connected in our community um, were part of the, the mail out campaign. Um, and this is the point where it gets exciting. This is where you do your campaign kickoff. Um, some schools um, and organisations do phone-a-thons. Um, I didn't. Um, we didn't find it necessary, but I know that other schools have had a huge amount of success um, having a phone-a-thon, getting alumni in to um, phone their peers. And that would happen in a public phase. Um, we aligned our annual giving campaign for two years. The focus of the campaign was also to support the capital campaign, the building fund and the, the STEAM development. Um, we just felt that perhaps some that might have felt engaged with the original um, capital campaign material could be brought on board um, when we told them the success that we were currently having. Um, so the annual, annual giving campaign actually raised more funds those two years than they had previously. Um, and be innovative. innovative. Um, as I mentioned before, um, if you get to know your donors, understand what makes them be engaged with your school because it's different for every school. Um, we went, when I was doing the um, feasibility study, I went to Deakin University. Um, I thought if I'm going to find out what the future of education looks like, I need to sit with someone who's working in this space as well. So I met with Jane Den Hollander. Um, and we had a wonderful conversation around girls and girls in STEAM. And um, so I took the principal back and we sat and had the conversation again. And um, Deakin University came on board as an industry partner and donated $150,000 to the campaign. 
um, it was important that um, they tapped into our girls um, and invited them out to the Cadet Centre, um, which is a space in um, Warm Ponds that works in the engineering field. Um, they wanted to work with our girls um, earlier than um, waiting for them to enrol. Um, and we certainly want to provide that opportunity to work with their experts in the space. So it, it began as a great partnership. Um, and then I sat back and thought, well, if Deacon are heading in the same direction and understanding the need for girls in STEAM, who else is? So I met with Osnet, um, Victoria's leading energy supplier, and they said, absolutely, we want to come on board. So they donated 50000 um, And then we, we spoke to CompNow, who's our leading um, IT supplier here at Sacred Heart. Um, and so they joined from the technology perspective of STEAM, um, and they also contributed $50,000 um, and worked closely with our students on projects in the tech space. And then we went to Southern Piling, um, who are an engineering firm in Geelong, doing amazing things in the space of um, technology and engineering. And they said, absolutely, we've got some great projects. We'd love your girls to be involved. Um, let's work together. So they donated $50,000. So each of those aligned perfectly with what our um, campaign was about, was bringing um, edu educating girls in that space, um, but it also injected the funds that we needed in that um, $50,000 bracket. And today, still, um, there's some amazing projects going on with each of those organisations. So be creative, look up, look around, see what suits your school and what you're working in and who you're working with and see if they'll come on board. Um, the other thing that we looked at too was in the STEAM, we had A for Arts, and I knew that I needed to raise that profile as well. It was important. Um, there's a foundation um, who has donated to us before in the field of arts, and I approached them and asked if they'd be interested in donating to the large stained glass window. And they said, no, well, that's not arts, and that's not part of the brief to what we give. And so I thought, well, no, it really is art because the artist who actually designed and drew the window um, did beautiful um, work. Um, so we invited them to the table with the artists and they sat down and looked at all of the beautiful work that had been done to design the window. Um, and they agreed that that was definitely art. And so they contributed $125,000 um, for the stained glass window. So... Um, they, they suited Sacred Heart, they made sense to us, but that was because we scratched the surface to see what was beyond just the everyday donor. So be innovative, look, look at what your, your school's doing or your organisation's doing um, and who can you bring on board who is already engaged and will most likely be happy to put some funding behind it. Okay, so all going well and you've raised your campaign target. Um, this is the exciting part, this is when we get to celebrate. Um, as I've mentioned on and off um, throughout today, uh, don't forget your stewardship. That's um, really important. Um, anyone that had donated to the campaign, um, certainly the major donors were all invited in to have a tour of the building. We were lucky. We did our, um, our development over three years. Um, so stage one was built in the first year, two and three the following years. And so as each stage was completed, we brought in the donors who had already contributed, but then we were able to bring in potential donors to see, well, this is stage one, we're now moving to stage two. So along the way, we were able to touch base with them um, and engage and show them um, how their donation was making a huge impact, not just on the development of the building, but on the education of our students here at Sacred Heart. Um, reporting back to the community is 
really important as well. Um, at every point, um, any opportunity, um, any of our communications that were going on out, we talked about um, where we had started, uh, where we were and where we expected to be. So tap into those opportunities because um, we continued to get donors um, along the way that we didn't expect. Um, for us, we had said that the campaign goal would be $1.8 million. Um, we were really fortunate. Um, we raised $2 million in the end. So we had a lot to celebrate. Um, and even after we reached our target, obviously those donations were still coming in. And that was because we continued to report back. And the more we reported back, the more people were like, well, hang on, this is really successful. We want to be a part of this as well. Um, and at every opportunity, of course, thank you donors. Um, there's lots of ways of thanking them, whether it is, you know, a dinner, um, an event, um, and major donors, we brought them to a special private dinner with the principal um, uh, and the landscape artist who was from Melbourne. And he went through the landscape gardening and shared them in that journey and what we had hoped to do with the landscaping. So there, there are lots of little ways that you can bring them in, make them feel important, um, and um, so they can continue to see how their donations having an impact on the campaign. Um, and of course, as always, um, don't forget to acknowledge your volunteers because we know that they do so much work for us um, and it is all on a volunteer um, basis. So thank them um, as well. Catherine, we have a couple of questions in the chat. Um, I'll just go through them for you. Um, the first one is, do you have experience of when an organisation's leaders want, want to aim to raise more funds than what's deemed as achievable in the feasibility study? Uh, no, I have to be honest that um, typically they're guided um, by the Director of Development or whoever's managing the campaign. Um, no, I've never had them wanting to raise more. Um, when I wanted to raise it from 1.5 to 1.8, the principal sort of raised her eyes and said, are you sure that's going to be okay? Um, but I was able to show her the feedback that we had um, from both of those um, resources. So, no, I haven't had anyone that was um, wanting to raise more than was what was reasonable. Great. Second question is from Paul. How useful was your campaign committee? Did they add value, um, the value that you hoped? And how formal was it? Did you meet regularly with um, the formal minutes issued, etc.? I can't help but smile when I think about the campaign committee because I absolutely loved working with them. Um, as I mentioned, the chair was um, a very highly regarded alumni. Also on our campaign committee was the chair of our advisory council, um, and then we had a Sister of Mercy, um, and that was wonderful because if you think about being a Catholic school, a lot of the people that were approaching um, obviously are very strong Catholics, but um, the Sisters of Mercy themselves donated, and that came through Sister Berenice being behind the campaign. They were wonderful. Uh, we met very regularly. Um, it was monthly. Um, and sometimes when we were really um, at a point where we had a lot of um, donors that we needed to approach, it was sometimes um, fortnightly. So they were regular meetings, they were formal. I minuted the meetings, um, the minutes were shared, we had an agenda. Um, it worked well um, because we had the right people at the table and I felt extremely supported. Um, and, um, you know, it wasn't long before they were very engaged and highlighting people that we should be approaching um, as I mentioned, one wasn't able to give, but one was able to give $5,000 themselves. So there was varying levels of um, what they contributed, but they were all um, invaluable and I could not have done it without them. Great. Holly has a question. How long did each of the five phases of your campaign take 
And how did the strategy and master plan, how long did the strategy and master plan work take? Um, the strategy took, the strategy took uh, 12 months and we went out to every um, group of the community, uh, alumni, current, past families, staff, students were heavily involved as well. Um, so that was 12 months and the master plan would have been 12 months as well. Master plan was done 2015. The strategy was done um, halfway through 2015 and into 2016 as well. Is there another part of that question, Trace? Sorry. Yeah, just one more. Stages. Um, so uh, the, the planning stage, about six months, the preparation stage, Oh, oh, no, I've got that back to front. The uh, preparation, let me just go back and have a look at this so I can have a Sorry. Okay. So the preparation stage took six months. The planning stage, 12 months. The quiet phase, um, the, sometimes the quiet phase and the, the, the planning stage sort of crossed over a little bit, but that would have been um, six months. So all up the campaign was three years. Great. Um, another question from Stephanie. How did you get your leadership team members to donate if they're not philanthropically inclined? I think we all have that, that question. <laughs> I actually started off, they knew why I was coming to see them. I actually started off by saying, I don't care how much you donate. I just would really like you to donate and show your support. Um, we had one that, as I mentioned, um, gave $100 and that was absolutely fine. And then um, another gave $5,000. It didn't matter. I just wanted to be able to say I had 100% support. And even by saying I want to go out and say we've got 100% support, um, because some do believe on the advisory council that they're, they're giving their time. I shouldn't have to give money. And I went in knowing that that might have been the way they felt. So I asked them, I invited them to come on board. And it wasn't like you're expected to do this. It was like, please do this because um, I'd like to show um, United Front when we go out and say we've got 100%. Um, and so I think the person who gave $100 um, felt, well, you know, I'm, I'm giving a donation um, and that's enough. And that was fine. Um, but, yes, I think if you're passionate about yourself um, and you see this as um, you sell this as an opportunity to be the leader in this space, um, they'll come on board. I think that's all the questions I can see at the moment in the chat. Just, just a couple of comments about um, how helpful this has been. So great job, Catherine. I think um, everyone's found that the whole session really informative. Okay. Um, just a couple of things I want to um, campaign follow up. I've mentioned the pledges. Um, when everything's over, you are stuck with the administrative side of a capital campaign. I know that our business department, business office rely heavily on those pledges. Their cash flow forecasting each year um, relies on that, those pledges coming in. So um, make sure you continue to follow up your pledges. Send timely reminders. When you send your reminder, give them an update on the campaign. Let them know um, that their money is continuing to make an impact. 
Um, and then when you send the letter of thanks, um, continue to um, thank them as much as you possibly can. Um, and of course, on your naming opportunities, you've said that you would do that. So make sure you, you finalise that. So there's a little bit of housework to do at the end. Um, and as always, continue your stewardship. Um, anyone who's done fundraising before would know with annual giving, for example, um, if you look at data trends and you see someone's donating each year and each year it becomes a little bit more, um, these are ones that will typically lead into a bequest. So good stewardship leads to ongoing support of your school. And in summing up, capital campaigns are big, complex endeavours. Planning and executing one is hard, um, it's difficult, it's very exciting, um, but it requires the support of many, many people. Um, it also takes considerable time and effort to prepare an organisation to raise a significant amount of money. So I've just put three points on the screen. Number one, going back to that quote, know your donors because they're the key to achieving your goal. Um, use these five steps. Um, each school will be different and the way you do each of the five steps will be different. But if you use them as a, as a planning and a, a guiding tool, um, they will ensure a greater chance of success. And be innovative. Um, fundraising, as you all know, is a very competitive space. Um, but find your school's point of difference. For us, it was industry, industry partnerships. Um, that's a big part of the future of education and the future of work, um, uh, working on project-based learning. Um, so those industry partnerships um, were, were what got us over the line and added benefits in um, other ways as well. So um, definitely be innovative. Okay. Um, so um, thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Stoner. Thank you, Educate Plus. Um, it's been really lovely sharing um, my story with you today. Um, any questions, but please, as I mentioned, if you've had experience in this space, um, certainly share your story as well, because I'd love to hear from you too. Catherine, we have one question in the chat. Um, how much did your capital campaign fundraising cost um, and operating expenses, uh, perhaps rather than you and your principal's time? So I guess the question is firstly around the, fund, the actual campaign fundraising costs, less your time and Anna's time. Okay. Um, the campaign itself would have been, if I think about the wealth check, stationery and mail outs. Sorry, I didn't even think to put this information in. Uh, events, I would say about $20,000. And the second part of that question, Trace? Um, did that exclude, that obviously excluded your time and Anna's time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know what it's like with events. You've got to host these events to have the donors at the table. If, if it was $25,000, we more than made that back in our costs. Like I said earlier, you need to spend the money to raise the money. Yeah. Um, and we, we're, a, um, we're not a high um, SES school. Um, our fees are $7,000. Um, we don't necessarily have um, a lot in that high wealth bracket, um, but um, we have a strong history of um, donors. So that was what I was able to tap into as far as, um, yeah, the, the, the spend. And what I had to spend wasn't a lot. I had to be careful with that and I had to go in, you know, the right, um, the right spends. Another question from Merrin. How did you work with the school team that were responsible for getting the building up, re-delays in building changes, et cetera? 
great question. Um, really mm. fortunate here um, in the sense that I have um, a seat at the table with the um, project planning teams as well. So each fortnight we would meet with McGlash and Everest um, and so I was able to know if there were going to be any delays, um, if there were any changes to the original plans, if there were any exciting updates that happened as a result of the project being developed. Um, I was abreast of all of that. So um, that was really important. And I can't stress that enough. Make sure that you've got a seat at the table because if you're doing your fundraising, you need to know exactly what's going on. Um, you need to be able to answer those questions. Um, our principal here, um, she's... Uh, exceptionally gifted at making sure the right people are at the right table as well. So, um, yeah, I was aware of all of the project, the delays um, and changes to the original concepts to the development. And like I said, working in three stages, those meetings went for three years as well. Another question from Stephanie. Did you already have a good online donation platform, CRM and process for handing donations in place? If not, what cost is there to establish these? Uh, very fortunate. Um, we had uh, a very established database of donors. I was able to see what they donated to before, how much they donated. donated. Um, they were already in categories. Um, so if I had just come and had just our database, uh, yes, I would have been able to do the campaign. Um, there was certainly... There was certainly enough information in our database, but uh, the wealth check, again, certainly identified ones who hadn't donated before, who I did approach and um, who did donate. I don't know how you would go about starting a new database if you didn't have the donors. Um, it would be a matter of, um, uh, I don't know, I've been very fortunate the schools I've been in have all had very strong databases that had all the information that you needed around the space of development and donors. Dang, fantastic. Any last questions from anyone? Comments? I, no, I can't see anything in the chat either. All right. Well, I guess at this stage, let me please like, let, just join me in thanking Catherine for sharing uh, her experience. That was fantastic, Catherine. Uh, and Tracy, for ah, there's one question that's finally popped up. Uh, from Kelly Mansi, what database are you using? Synergetic. Any more? We still have five minutes more. So if you think of any more questions, happy to take them. There is more. From Stephen. Sorry, Tracy, I took over the questions. Is that all right? Oh, good gosh, Anna. <laughs> How long do you think it would take to establish a new database? Um, well, I suppose depending on the size of your school. Uh, I, I don't know that it's something that I would, um, I would call in the experts on that one. Um, there are some amazing databases out there, organisations that have CRMs. Um, I imagine it would take a little bit of time and it would take a dedicated team um, to do that. Um, if it's only a small organisation or small school, um, may not too, it may not be too big a challenge, but um, I would um, defer to the experts on that one, yeah. 
Um, but anything that I've said today, if you want further information, if you want any help, um, please don't hesitate to contact me. Once you've been through a capital campaign, um, you are comfortable in that space and I'd be more than happy to share, um, you know, or help you if you've got any challenges um, along the way. I've got Michael who's asking any advice on engaging a consultant. Uh, educate Plus. Um, I know they've got amazing resources uh, and will be able to point you in the right direction. Um, I would get referrals from other schools as well. I'd be happy to um, provide the information. Charlotte Grimshaw from FRNC Consulting, who we did our wealth check with, um, absolutely amazing. Um, I know that um, Martin Lundy with Ann Badger do incredible work in this space um, and has an inordinate amount of experience. Um, so um, they're two that I would highly recommend, um, but I'm sure that Educate Plus would have more that you could um, approach as well. 